Turn, if you would, tonight to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. Let's pray. Father, we are glad that we can be in your house tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for the music that we've enjoyed this evening. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth of your word and how it can speak to our hearts. I pray that you'd help us tonight, God, to use it in the way that we ought, in the way that we should. And Lord, that uh, you'd help us uh, this evening to be the men and women and young people that you've called us to be. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we were in Genesis chapter 43. And we watched as the brothers of Joseph made their way back to Egypt for the purpose of buying corn. In doing so, we know that they brought Benjamin with them this time. And as they arrived, I tried to point out last week that their arrival was something that was not on the radar or on the calendar. Uh, For Joseph, this was not something that he was expecting. It was not something that he was anticipating. And so whenever Joseph beheld his brother Benjamin for the first time after 20 years had passed, almost 22 years had passed, we remember that Joseph struggled with his emotions. But the scripture talked about how he went and he found a room and uh, he wept there. But uh, after weeping, he washed his face and he returned to his brothers. And the scripture said clearly that he refrained himself or that he contained his emotions. He kept his emotions under control He controlled the emotions. The emotions did not control him. And so last week in looking at that text and trying to make some application to our lives, I talked about how many times things come at us uh, kind of out of the blue. They come at us somewhat unexpected. And many times we struggle initially with our attitude, whether it be uh, anger, whether it be sadness, whether it be sorrow, whether it be just general frustration. And many times if we're not careful... We let those emotions control us. And we fail to realize that we can get control of ourselves. We fail to realize that we can have full control over our emotions. Our emotions don't have to control us. And the earlier in life that we come to grips with that truth, the better off we are. And I don't know if you noticed it this week or not, but I promise you at some point this week, you either had to get control of your emotions or your emotions controlled you. It just happened because that is the world we live in. Just yesterday I was having a good day and the phone rang and it was someone not related to the church, someone not uh, really even a part of my life in in so many ways, but uh, they called and said a few things and quite frankly it irritated me and it made me mad. And I responded accordingly and later I said Lord and I didn't respond to them accordingly but just in my flesh and in my spirit that's the way I responded and later I I had to make things right with God and say God it's not right and so uh, I promise you whether you realized it or not uh, at some point this week you had to wrestle with that tonight we're going to continue we're going to be in chapter 45 which means we have skipped chapter 44 If you're not uh, very well acquainted with the story of Joseph or if you're kind of hazy on it, I would encourage you to go back and read chapter 44 at some point and it will make 45 mean that much more to us. But tonight I want to begin with a thought that I know I have expressed on many different occasions and I say it because most of us can identify with this and most of us can relate to this. 
But the thought that I want us to think about this evening is this, is that there are very few joys and blessings in life that, that I can think of that are greater than the opportunity to raise children. Amen. Would you agree with that? If you are a parent, there are very few opportunities, there are very few joys, there are very few blessings in life, again, in my opinion, that are greater than the blessings of being able to raise children. That being said, none of our children are perfect as we were not perfect children. So that means there are times that our children do things and uh, they were out of line. They do things and that's not the way they were raised. They do things and uh, it challenges our emotions. It challenges our feelings. And I think every one of us as parents have had those moments where we have expressed our great displeasure to our children. Have we not? We have made it very clear to them that we do not approve of what they have just done. We have made it very clear to them that we are very disappointed in their actions. We have made it very clear to them uh, this is not acceptable in our house. And I think there are times as parents, and I think this is appropriate, but there are times that we want our children to stop and reflect and consider what they have done so that they can feel the full force of that. I don't know if you ever heard something like this growing up, but I heard something like this from time to time. I want you to sit there and think about what you just did. I'd sit there and say, okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And guess what? Over the years as a parent, I have passed that line on to my children. I want you to think about what you just did. I want you to think about what you just said. I want you to think about the way in which you just acted. I want you to think about that. I want you to feel the weight of it. I want you to feel the seriousness of it. I want you to see just how wrong those actions were. Again, there is a time for play that and there is a place for that. It is appropriate. But we also know this. Sometimes our kids do something wrong. Sometimes they have done something that is not acceptable. We don't approve of it. But rather than just letting them feel the full weight of what they've done, we need to love them through that failure. Does that make sense? We're not compromising. We're not changing our position. We're not letting them have a pass on their wrong behavior. We're not saying to them, hey, listen, that's not a big deal in our house. It's not at all what we're saying. But what we're doing is this. We're saying, in spite of your failures, in spite of your wrongdoings, in spite of the fact that I'm disappointed, in spite of the fact that I'm hurt that you would do this, in spite of all that, I want to love on you and I want you to know that you're still special to me and you're still, you know, a, a love of my life and, and, and I wouldn't trade you for anything even though I'm upset at you. You know what that feeling is like, don't you, as a parent? To know that they need to know they did wrong, but in spite of that they need to know that I love them and nothing will change that and I don't want them to walk away heavy-hearted and, and discouraged about the infraction they just committed. All right? Now, I say all that, I hope it's obvious, for a reason. 
But this evening, look in verse number 1. Keep in mind that Joseph has just had a conversation with his brother Judah. And uh, in this conversation, the heart of Judah has been revealed. It's been made clear that Judah is no longer the man that he was 20 years prior to this. Keep in mind that as the brothers have stood before Joseph, them not knowing that Joseph could understand everything that they were saying amongst themselves, remember that the brothers have said throughout this ordeal standing before Joseph that all this was happening as a result of what they had done to Joseph. The brothers had lived and were living with a guilty conscience for what they had done to Joseph. And again, them not knowing that Joseph understood all this, Joseph heard their conversations, and Joseph was aware of the fact that his ten brothers were not the men they used to be. So after everything has transpired, after everything has taken place in chapter 44, we see in verse number 1, it says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. So in verse number 1, here is what we, are, uh, what we see and what we're aware of, is that Joseph is no longer going to continue this charade. He is no longer going to lead the brothers on and making them think that he is some harsh dictator or that he is some harsh ruler, accusing them of being spies. At this point, as a result of seeing their change of heart, their change of spirit, and their change of attitude, Joseph is going to reveal himself to his brothers, and so he does so in a manner as private as possible. He had commanded everyone else in the room to leave while he revealed himself and made himself known unto his brethren. And notice what it says in verse number 2. It says, and he wept aloud. When you think of everything that Joseph had been through in the last 22 years, when you think of everything that Joseph had dealt with, when you think about him seeing the visions and, and the dreams that he had had over 20 years ago coming to fruition and, and, and becoming a reality in his life, when you think of everything that Joseph endured in those years, you understand the emotion behind this revealing of who he is to his brothers. So it says that he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. So Joseph was not worried at this point about trying to, to keep it quiet or to keep it a secret or anything of that nature. And so in verse number 3 it says this, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. And this time it's not through an interpreter. This time there is, there's no middleman. This time it is a direct conversation to his brothers. And don't you know his brothers had to be shocked when he began to speak the language they had been speaking in front of him. Think about that for just a moment, what that would have been like, because whenever Joseph ordered the men out of the room while he revealed himself to his brethren, he would have used the Egyptian language. And so the moment that Joseph stood there and said to his brothers, I am Joseph, that is the first time we can tell that Joseph would have used their language to them. And so he says, I am Joseph, and he says, doth my father yet live? He wants to know how his dad is doing. He hasn't seen him now for 22 years. And so he says, does my father yet live? And notice what it says. It says, and his brethren could not answer him. 
I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? You've got ten men who can't speak. You've got ten men who can't respond. You've got ten men who are just standing there, I'm guessing, somewhat, you know, just glazed over look in their eyes and somewhat of a dumbfounded expression on their face. They're unable to answer him, and it tells us why they were unable to answer him, because they were troubled at his presence. They were troubled at his presence. What does it mean to be troubled? It means to be distressed or it means to be upset or to be agitated. These ten men, grown men, they were in a state of shock. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, you and I have no idea what was going through their minds. Maybe they were so frozen, nothing was going through their minds. But as Joseph revealed himself and said, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? These men were so shaken to their core. These men were so shaken that, that they had an inability to express anything by way of thought or by way of words to Joseph. They just stood there. And it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. So, so there must have been a little bit of a distance between them. And he says, come near to me. And so it says, and they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt, as if he needed to remind them of that. They were fully aware who Joseph was. They were fully aware of what they had done to him. And so he says, I am Joseph, the one who you sold into Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this is kind of a, of a moment where Joseph is in a position of authority over his brothers, kind of like a parent in a position of authority over the children. Now, what the brothers of Joseph, what they did, that was not just a little hurtful. That was not just a little disappointing. That was not something that was just casual and light and, and insignificant in the, in the life of Joseph. For everything that the brothers had done to Joseph, it was not something like this where Joseph said, Oh, it was only 20 years. It's no big deal. That's not the manner in which everything had transpired, okay? And so here is Joseph, and he is in a position of authority over his brothers, we know that, and that it's well established and well documented. And I don't know about you, but if I had been Joseph in that moment, if I had been Joseph in that instance, you know what I would have said to my brothers? Now think about that one for a little bit. I am the brother that ye sold into Egypt. I am the brother that for 13 years I was a slave. For 13 years I bounced around from prison to dungeon. For 13 years I was falsely accused and lied about and I had to deal with all the, the consequences of that. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the same dungeon that I was in for a while. I'm going to let you experience some of the same things that I experienced. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to experience the full blow of what you did. I want you to sit and I want you to think about that one for a little bit. I want you to chew on that one. I want you to get fully acquainted with everything that I had to deal with. And I'll check on you in a few years. He could have. 
He had the authority. And from our perspective, it would have been even justifiable. With that position of authority, he could have said something to this effect to his brothers. I want you to feel the full weight of everything you did to me. But we know that that wasn't the character of Joseph. We know that that was not the nature of Joseph. Notice what he says in verse number 5. He says, Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. What does it mean when Joseph says, do not be grieved? Well, the word grieved means this, to feel great sorrow or distress. What did, Sol or what, what did Joseph just say to his brothers? He is saying this, guys, I, I don't want you to carry this guilt for what you did to me. I don't want you to be grieving. See, I, I heard the conversations that you were having amongst yourself and how you were saying, surely this is because of what we did to our brother Joseph. And, and did we not hear his cries? He, he said, listen, in a sense, I, I know everything that you've said. I know everything you've dealt with. I know everything that you've wrestled with. And, and now as I stand before you and as I reveal myself to you that I am Joseph, I want you to know that I do not want you to grieve for what you did to me. And he said in verse number 5, I don't want you to be angry with yourselves. I don't want you to be mad at yourself for what you did 22 years ago. 22 years ago in jealousy, 22 years ago in your hatred toward me, 22 years ago in your immaturity, 22 years ago in your selfishness, 22 years ago when all you could think about was yourself, 22 years ago when you did what you did to me. He said, when you think on that, I don't want you to be angry at yourselves. Now think about that attitude and think about that spirit for just a moment. Joseph had every right to exercise his authority in their lives and say, think on that one for a little bit. You're going to feel the full effect of that one. I'm not going to let you out of this one easy. Joseph could have said every bit of that and it would have been justifiable. But Joseph said this, guys, don't beat yourself up. Guys, don't grieve over this one. I don't want you to be sad and sorrowful over this. Guys, I don't want you to, to be kicking rocks and, and you know, holding your head low and, 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 and just disappointed in yourself. Men, that's not what I want you to do. And men, I don't want you to be angry at yourself thinking, how could we be so stupid? How could we be so blind? Whatever the expression may be, he said, I don't want you to do that. You know what Joseph did? Joseph chose to love them through their failures. Their failures directly directed at him. Brothers, I'm going to love you 
through your failure through your failures directed at me how was joseph able to do such a thing how was joseph able to reach this point in his spiritual life and in his personal life how was joseph able to do this well notice in verse number 5 it says this for God did send me before you to preserve life. In verse number 7, he says, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You know why Joseph was able to love his brothers through their failure that was directed at him? Because Joseph was able to see that in the midst of your failures, that in the midst of your selfishness, that in the midst of everything you did wrong, God was still able to work something greater and more wonderful and more fantastic. And though while what you did was wrong and what you did was sinful and while it was something I could punish, because I see the bigger picture and see the hand of God working in all of this in spite of your failures, I don't want you to grieve and I don't want you to be angry at yourselves. All that from a man who was in his 30s. In his 30s. Now think about Joseph and his example in verses 1 through 5. And ask yourself this question. Has anyone ever wronged you? And I mean really wronged you. I don't mean they just kind of irritated you one day. Has anyone ever wronged you and they knew they wronged you? Has it ever happened? Someone has wronged you and they know they wronged you. It's happened to many of us. In those moments of our lives, on those occasions, however many those moments have been, whatever the occasions may have been, just sit there and ask yourself this question. Don't answer it out loud, but ask yourself this question. What has your attitude and your spirit been toward the person who wronged you? See, as I was preparing this message and I, I was considering this question, has anyone ever wronged me? And they knew they wronged me. They admitted they had wronged me. And immediately someone came to mind. I mean, immediately a, a, a person's face and name came to mind. And I thought, that person's wronged me. They know they've wronged me. They've admitted they've wronged me. What was my attitude like when they admitted it? You know what it was like? It was like the authoritative parent. I want you to feel the full weight of everything you've done against me. 
I want you to know how much you've hurt me. I want you to know how much you have disappointed me. I want you to know how wronged I feel. And in and, and, and this situation, in, in, the, in the circumstance that I'm thinking about, as all of that happened, as all of that took place, as I wrestled with my feelings and my emotions and my, my thoughts on this, you know what I felt? I felt completely justifiable in making sure that person knew you have wronged me, I don't appreciate it, and I want you to feel a little bit of what it feels like, what you did to me. Have you ever been there? You know what never entered my mind whenever that whole scenario was playing out in my mind? You know what never entered my mind? Love them through it. It never entered my mind to have an attitude or a spirit that sounded something like this. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourself. I wanted the person to grieve. I wanted the person to feel guilt. I wanted the person to feel bad. I wanted them to feel about as low as a person could feel for their wrong actions. I wanted them to feel every bit of it, and I felt justified. And you know what I wanted them to feel? I wanted them to feel angry about the situation. And somebody says, well, that's not very spiritual. I'm just saying, that was the role I took on. For everything they had done to me, I wanted them to feel every bit of the consequence they possibly could. It never entered my mind. Love them through it. Please listen. Love them through it. It never entered my mind to say, hey, don't worry about it. We'll get through this. We'll be fine. It's going to be okay. It wasn't how I thought. Why? For this reason. When it happened... I failed to see that even in the midst of their failure, God could still, some, could still accomplish something greater than my mind could ever conceive. See, my world was so small that it was all about me. And so because I'm upset and because I'm angry and because I'm bothered, I will not love you through this. No, I'm going to make you think about this for as long as I possibly can. And here I am in my 40s. Whether we like to admit it or not, Sometimes we go there, do we not? We want to punish the people who have wronged us. We want to get even with those who have offended us. 
And again, it's because we fail to recognize that even in the midst of the hurt and even in the midst of the pain, we, we fail to recognize that God can and will accomplish something greater than the hurt we are experience, experiencing at this moment. And so this evening, I, I'd like to throw this thought out for just a moment, and then I'm going to move on to something else. But I'd like to throw this thought out. As Joseph helped his brothers, and I, I know this is going to sound almost foreign to some of us, but as Joseph helped his brothers out in the midst of their failure, so that they could be reconciled one with another? Is there anyone in our life that we need to help them? Now, now, now follow this. We need to help them forgive themselves for the wrongs they have committed against us so that we can reconcile the relationship between us. Does that make sense? I don't know if I said that right, but here is Joseph. Brothers, don't be grieved and don't be angry with yourselves. God did something greater. I'm not mad at you. I'm not grieving. I've worked past that, I've got victory, and I want to help us restore our relationship. Think about that for just a moment. Is there anyone in our life, if we would be honest, we would have to say something like this, there is someone who has wronged me, they have wronged our family, they have done something, and I have sought to punish them by making them feel bad, by making them feel guilty, by not being warm to them, by not being friendly to them. I have sought to make them know things still aren't good because of what you did. And if truth be told, we need to be the bigger man or the bigger woman and step up and say, listen, I don't want you to be mad at yourself and I don't want you to grieve because God has done amazing things in my life in spite of what you did to me. Now let me just tell you, if you've got anybody like that in your life, it ain't easy trying to reach out to them. You know what the Lord told me today? Send them a text. I'll send them a text. It's like the Lord said, no, not that kind. Okay. And I had to send a text to a person that I didn't even really want to correspond with. I felt awkward. I mean, I send texts all the time. I sit there and I stared at that text. And I thought, is that the way I want to send the text? Is that exactly what I want to say? Is that exactly how I want to present it? Is that the first step that I've, yeah, you know, and I was just wrestling with all of it. Is this what I, I know this isn't what I want to do. But am I going to be the bigger man and say, even though you wronged me, I didn't do anything wrong in this. Even though you've wronged me, 
I want to do what I can to help you get through this offense. Is there anyone like that in your life that you need to reach out to? It's not easy, but it's needed. Now, there's another aspect of this message that I want us to think about, and I promise you we're almost done and we've got plenty of time, so don't worry about it. But just as we've been wronged, we all know that we've been the one who did the wrong. We've wronged people. And I don't mean we just accidentally said something goofy and we shouldn't have said it and uh, that was dumb. We, we've all had those moments, right? Okay, you're not going to admit to anything tonight. That's okay. We've all had those moments where we've said something dumb and we're, ah, that was stupid. We've all said something. We've all done something. We've all acted in a way where later we're just going, ah, oh, man, that was dumb. But, but we've had plenty of moments where, where, or plenty of times where we've had those moments, but we just went on. But every one of us have, we've done some doozies. I don't know about you. But sometimes the self-inflicted guilt and the self-inflicted anger toward my, own, toward my own actions is enough to drive me crazy sometimes. Have you ever looked back on any of your failures and you can still get disgusted with yourself? I mean, have you ever looked back at some of your failures and you just thought, I'm so disappointed in myself? I mean, I've got moments like that in my life, and Susie and I have talked about it, and I mean, she's not, you know, excluded from this. She has said to me in confidence, you know, I've got things in my past that I'm still so disappointed in. I'm still just, I'm disgusted by it. And, and I don't think Susie and I are these weirdos, and only she and I have these stories to tell that nobody could relate to. I think all of us have some times in our life where we're just completely disgusted by some of the stuff we've done, some of the things we've said, some of the things maybe we've engaged in, whatever it may be, we're just disgusted by it. Now, I, I want to be very clear on this. When we've done something like that, we need to own up to it, and we need to admit, hey, we dropped the ball. We fouled up. We did not do what we should have done. But let me ask us. What good do we do ourselves by continuing to live in grief for our past failures? See, the brothers were told by Joseph, don't grieve. He was trying to help them. But you know who the only person was who could not make or allow themselves to grieve for their past actions? The only person who could determine that would have been the brothers individually for themselves and how they chose to respond. Does that make sense? He could tell all ten brothers, do not grieve, but only they could determine, okay, I, I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to let the grief and the sorrow and the sadness for my failures continue to, to, to dictate how, how I live in the days ahead. I mean, again, the, these brothers were living with guilt for 20 years for what they had done. I wonder how many times God's people 
go through life living with a sense of grief because of past failures because they refuse to forgive themselves. I wonder how many of God's people still go through life angry at themselves and say to themselves things like this, how could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so ignorant? How could I have been so blind? How could I have been so selfish? How could I have been so foolish? How could I have done that and still carry around this sense of anger and just absolute frustration because of their own failures? Listen, just as the brothers had to individually accept Joseph's love through this failure and say, okay, I choose not to be angry at myself, you and I sometimes have to make the choice to not be angry with ourselves in relation to our failures. Somebody may say something like this. Well, that person's never given me permission to forgive myself. They've never stepped up to me like Joseph stepped up to his brothers, and, and they've never said to me, listen, don't be grieved and don't be angry with yourselves. I understand how wonderful it would be to hear those words from certain people that they would say to you, hey, listen, that's all in the past. Don't even worry about it. Man, I've moved on. There's so much bigger things that I'm dealing with and, and, and living through. It would be wonderful to hear those words. Trust me, I know it would be wonderful. But the reality is this, is not everyone has the maturity and the depth of Joseph. So not everyone may be as gracious to give us permission to forgive ourselves and not carry around the grief and the anger of our failures. That becomes their problem, not ours. All I'm trying to show us tonight and remind us of this evening is this, is we do ourselves no favor to carry around Grief and anger for things that happened years ago. If God has forgiven us, we must forgive ourselves. We do our no, we, listen, we do ourselves no favor to continue living with grief and sadness and sorrow and anger over things we would love to be able to go back and do differently. Every one of us have those moments, and not one of us has the ability to go back and change things. So what do we need to do? We need to accept whatever forgiveness we can, whether it be from this person, this person, or the family, or whatever it may be. And if we never get it from them, we must accept the forgiveness of God in our lives and move on in spite of our failures. So tonight I'm going to ask you one more time, is there anyone in your life that you need to help them be reconciled to you in the midst of their failure? It's their failure. It's, it's on them. You didn't do anything wrong. But would you help the process at all if you went to them and said, hey, listen, I just want you to know I love you. And I don't want you to grieve, and I don't want you to be angry. Is there anyone like that in your life? And I don't need to know about it. Frankly, I don't want to know about it. But is there anyone in your life that you need to help in that process? Do you know how hard that'd be? I, I've got an idea. I do. Is there anyone in here tonight 
that if you'd just be honest, you'd say, I've got to forgive myself. This is miserable. I'm carrying around the grief. I'm carrying around the guilt. I'm carrying around the anger of my failures in my past. Is there anyone in here tonight who'd have to say this? I need to forgive myself whether they ever give me permission to do so or not. It needs to happen. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you once again for the story of Joseph, his example, his testimony. God, the life that he lived. And there he was, a, a man in his late 30s, showing such maturity, showing such depth in his walk with you. God, it's a challenge to many of us, if we'd be honest this evening. Because so many of us ought to be further along in our walk with you and our grace with others and our love for others and how we help them even in the midst of their failures toward us. And God, so many times we want to be that heavy hand of authority. We want to be the one who makes that person feel guilty. And we don't want to do anything to help them reconcile the problems. We, we want them to come to us broken and sad and sorrowful. God, we want them to feel every bit of it. And yet, Lord, that's not the way you treat us. That's not the way we want anyone else to treat us. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us this evening if there's someone like that in our life, that you'd give us the strength and the grace and the humility to be willing to reach out to that individual. Lord, if there's someone in here tonight who needs to forgive themselves, God, they've been carrying that burden, that weight of guilt for a long time. I pray that tonight would be the night that you would help them to forgive themselves because they recognize that you have forgiven them. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, you've got time to pray.